This is a podcast from the South China Morning Post. Imagine this. You are an undergraduate student from China studying in the United States. Now, you are not in big cities like New York or Los Angeles. You are in Kansas. Yes, deep in the Midwest, the center of America. Kansas is like kind of like middle of nowhere. And you know, it's your first time away from home. You're homesick and you miss Chinese food. And uh, there's no way you can access, you know, um, Asian product, you know, even you no know, Chinese restaurants there. So you drive for two hours to get to the nearest Asian supermarket just to buy some chili sauce or noodles that can satisfy your cravings. For me, it's kind of crazy, you know, drive two hours just to get chili sauce or rice, you know, every week. That was in 2013. There was plenty of e-commerce available. You could probably find something similar to what you want on Amazon or eBay, but prices were much higher and delivery took a while. On the other hand, Chinese e-commerce firms like Alibaba and JD.com were booming in China. At the time, however, many of these merchants did not ship internationally. For Amazon, you know, they tried to focus on the mainstream Americans, you know. And for JD or Alibaba, you know, you know, China and the Asian market is a huge market. But, you know, nobody focused uh, on this, you know, vertical space, e-commerce for Asian communities in North America. So this, this is a big market, but left behind. That's how I started this company. That's Alex Zhou. After graduating from Kansas State University, he went on to build Yamibai, now the largest e-commerce platform in North America selling Asian products. Today on Inside China Tech, Alex talks to us about how he discovered this untapped market in the U.S. and built a $100 million business in a seemingly niche market. From South China Morning Post, this is Inside China Tech. Insights into what matters. Come work for us because we are 996. Are you okay? I started Alibaba 1999 in my apartment. What's your problem? Speed and data. And that's where China comes in. Here's your host, Zen Su. If you're an Asian who lives in America, you probably have heard of or used Yamibai. It's a website that sells everything from Chinese instant noodles to Korean and Japanese makeup. Spicy chicken noodles, but this is the cheese flavor. So this is from Yamibai, and Yamibai is an online store for Asian food. Surprisingly, they're super affordable. Oh my gosh, I'm so happy. Okay. Nowadays, Yamibai has more than 800,000 users and sees double-digit growth every year. Whenever Alex introduces himself in public as the CEO of Yamibai, he feels like a celebrity. I'm actually extremely popular in the Chinese students' community in the United States. There's a story, you know, um, a couple months ago, me and Hans, Hans, Hans Tong is our investor from uh, GGV Capital, Capital right? yeah. <laughs> yes. 
You know, Hans, Hans is very, very famous. So Hans Tung of GGV Capital is a very well-known venture capitalist, both in the US and China. And when Alex was sharing a panel with Hans earlier this year at the Harvard College China Forum... So, you know, we asked question, you know, how many people know who is Hans in this room? There's like a handful of people. And they ask, like, you know, who is a Yummy Bite customer in, the, in this room? Almost everybody. <laughs> so more people know Yami Bai than they know who Hans Tong is from GGV yes, Capital. Yes, you know, you know, <laughs> you know, our customer actually gave me a lot of like a nickname, give me a nickname like Lao uh, Gan because simply because we sell a lot of like Lao Gan Ma. So they're very grateful to you. Essentially, they're like, "Thank you so much for starting this business." Yes. Yes. <laughs> This took years to achieve. In the beginning, no sales managers in wholesale companies would even open an account for Alex because his order volumes were so small that they didn't think the cost of managing his account would be worth it. You know, at the beginning, nobody bought your story. You know, it's just like, okay, no way you can, you can survive. Just open an e-commerce for Asian peoples. Alex was a fresh graduate when he started the company. Without any know-how or contacts, he spent months skulking around local supermarkets, taking pictures, making notes of the product selections, and even lurking around the back of the stores just to see who the suppliers were. I even stand, you know, behind the, the, the supermarket, you know, to see all the delivery truck come and go, and I try to remember all the all the name of the of the you know the the delivery company's name and the, and go back home and Google them and find the address or phone. You know, visit the company without any appointment. <laughs> Gradually, his perseverance paid off. Alex managed to purchase 200 types of snacks from wholesalers and outsourced the building of his e-commerce site to some engineers in China. The, the first version of a website, you know, is really bad. I'll see it's really, really bad. You know, <laughs> we only have the uh, uh, PC. Mm-hmm. We don't have mobile site. We don't have app. And... Uh, Yes, and so you know when we launch this website, you know we find out you know okay we can we can actually charge money from customer, but this you know China team forgot to 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 build the the refund function, so there's no way we can refund money to customer. <laughs> yep, they forgot the refund button. In the U.S., being able to return your item and get a refund is an important part of online shopping. So forgetting the refund button was a disaster for Alex. I, I actually uh, didn't know this until the first time I had to uh, refund m- money for our customers. Then I realized, okay, oh my God, I don't have this function you know, <laughs> on my website. So I actually put the money in an in um, uh, envelope and mail it to my customer. And uh, but you know later on I found out I, I found out it's not really actually legal. Yeah, yeah I don't think you can send envelope. cash. <laughs> yes. So I, I didn't I didn't know that. Alex was literally learning on the fly. He memorized the locations of all two hundred products in the warehouse and packed all of the orders on his own until he hired his first employee. And I know, oh my God, I have to have a location number because you know not everybody gonna remember all this product where I put them so I have to give them a location number then we start have a location number and then you know at the very beginning we we just print out all the you know uh, the, the customer orders use a pencil and a, and a paper to 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 just you know mark all the others and go pick them 
And you know, when you, you receive thousands of orders every day, you need to have a system, not just pencil or the paper, right? You have to have a, a warehouse management system, you know, you know, uh, order management system, all these systems. So you 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 know, you actually growing not on the just on the you know warehouse size, also on the you know how you're gonna handle this and uh, your technology as well. Luckily for Alex, Yummy Buy grew extremely fast. They sold 1.7 million U.S. dollars worth of goods in the first year, and this jumped over six times to 11 million the following year. Because of the rapid growth in the beginning. Alex had to move the warehouse two times in a year and eventually expanded from 2,000 square feet to 100,000 square feet. But perhaps the most surprising trend is that while Chinese customers remained the largest demographic for Yami Bai, there was also a steady growth in non-Asian buyers. Uh, it's going to get bigger and bigger because, you know, Asian culture start, start having a huge influence on the mainstream culture. And by culture, I mean pop culture, you know. K-pop, Japanese manga, they're, they're a big deal. A um, couple months ago, there was a Korean boy band called BTS. They have, a, they have a concert in Los Angeles. You go to that concert, it will surprise you, you know, about 60 to 70% of the audience are non-Asian, right? Not Asian. So, you know, Yes, non-Asian, 60 to 70, wow. at least 60 to 70 percent. Crazy about a cream boy band. You know, you know, this is something big happening in the United States. So, you know, we, we all, always this, I have this idea, you know, you know, when certain cultures that have a huge influence, the, 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 the product behind the culture is going to have an attraction in, the, in this market as well. Alex said the reverse had happened in China when he was a kid. When I grew up in China, you know, Western culture have a huge influence in China, you know. I watch Hollywood movie, I watch NBA game, so Nike shoes, you know, uh, Ray-Ban uh, sunglasses, that's all the things I want, right? Mm. This, this is uh, an example, you know, how culture, you know, have a huge, huge influence then, you know, influence on the on the consumer side. Mm. I think the reverse process is happening in the United States and in the Western country as well. But unlike the Chinese shoppers, who already know what they want, the mainstream American customers need a little bit of an introduction. Now, for this kind of customer, for them, the key word is more on, you know, uh, uh, experience, and, uh, and, uh, and, uh, and, uh, and exploring the new product, right? Mm. So this is not something they get used to. This is something new for them. And so you have to leverage, you know, you work with the social network like YouTube, you know, Pinterest. So work with, uh, for example, influencer on YouTube who, who, you know, teach how to do Asian makeup. Hi guys, welcome back to my channel. Today's video is going to be a kind of different one. Um, I'm going to be attempting to do Japanese makeup. This video is sponsored by Yummy Bai. Uh, they sent me, or they let me choose whatever products These I These are really, really uh, uh, organic and a natural way to acquire a customer. So there's different strategy on the Asian customer and the non-Asian customer. On top of that, Alex said their website was also designed completely differently from Amazon's. Amazon is, is really, really focused on the search. 
So everything is by search, right? All recommendation from page. But for, if you go to Alibaba or, or JD.com in China, everything is load, loaded on the front page. And so it's, it's really, really busy. And you have a lot of selections in one page. So there's the, a lot of difference between the taste of the two different customers. Alex initially thought their biggest market would be Asian students living in the Midwest, who would face the same problems that he did. But it turned out that most of their customers are in big cities like New York or Los Angeles. Alex attributes this to the lack of physical boundaries in online shopping. You know, decent size of uh, Asian supermarket, you know, for non-perishable product, they only carry 2,000 at top, you know, 2,000 SKUs, 2,000 product. But for e-commerce, you know, we don't actually have a physical limit. So, you know, for right now, you know, we carry over 10,000 on our cell phone inventory and over, over uh, 40,000 skills on marketplace. So total is like over 50,000 different products. So we have we have better selections than the than local market. Basically, you can find most, you know, the Asian product you want here, no matter it's food, it's snack, uh, cosmetics, beauty product, personal care, mom and baby, basically everything. But Yamibai is also facing a big challenge in the midst of the U.S.-China trade war and tightening immigration policies. International students are finding it harder to find jobs in the U.S. And in some cases, Chinese students are also finding it difficult to even get student visas to study in the U.S. This means that the number of customers that Yamibai has could shrink. We have to increase some of the uh, price of the product. And also, and there's, uh, it's harder and harder to get a product from China uh, as well, due to the, the the tariff, you know, increase. And uh, you know, just try to find the different vendors, and also, you know, uh, navigate your customer to other product. This product category is something um, the customer need every day. So you know, it's still, you know, it's all on the customer side. So essentially a lot of stuff that people are buying like in terms of food or like it's considered kind of ne- is like a necessity for them. It's very, pl- um, it's very yeah. price inelastic. So they're still willing to, to pay, I guess. Yeah, but you know, of course, you know, if this situ- uh, the US-China situation gets escalate, I'm still going to um, worry about because, you know, for example, you know, immigrant policies, right? Mm. You know, if they are limited uh, study abroad students visa, uh, they, they, they give a not a very favorable, you know, immigration policies, they're going to impact on the total customer customer size, you know, the, the populations in the United States, of course, are going to impact our business. But, you know, we, we, we'll see, you know, we just get ready. Alex told us that a lot of times, the keywords that people use when talking or posting about Yamibai are not even related to the products. It's not just about satisfying a food craving. It's a cure for their homesickness. It's about, you know, a lot of keywords like home and like a missing home or whatever. So you know this is something comfort for them. Um, they can buy, actually buy, you know, the, the, the product from their home country. This means, you know, they can comfort, comfort them, you know, in the foreign countries. You know, they, sometimes, you know, when they miss missing their home, they're missing their parents, they want to buy, you know, um, um, the product they used to have when they are, they are in China. So. This is, I think it's sometimes it's, it's, it's beyond these products. It's something in the next level. 
Yeah. Are, are there cases where customers buy like a lot of a, a specific product, or you know, like you know, you know, for example, you know, for for right now, it's it's the mooncake season, right? So all my customers are crazy about you know, the mooncake. You know, you know some of the some of the mooncake, you know, when they imported from China, you know. You know, include all the tariffs and everything. The logistics is over a hundred dollars. I just like, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna spend a hundred dollars on some cake, but a lot of my customers actually spend this money on mooncake just because you know this, this, this is a holiday to you know to enjoy mooncake, to you know miss their parents when they have in their childhood. You know, they tend to buy you know bunk, not just sort of one package. <laughs> So yes. Would you splurge just for a taste of home? I know I definitely would. As a Singaporean in Hong Kong, I've definitely paid way more than I should have just for a taste of a bowl of authentic laksa. The emotions associated with food are powerful. Deep down, these complex emotions of comfort, homesickness, loneliness, happiness. Are what fuels businesses like Yummy Buy to get a taste of home away from home. Speaking of mooncakes and the Mid-Autumn Festival, we have a new episode about the history of mooncakes and their modern variations on our food and culture podcast, Eat Drink Asia. So Bernice is pulling out. She's got a KFC bucket full of small mooncakes, little Actually, round mooncakes. Actually, this is mooncakes. this is durian. Oh, yeah where the hosts dive into the behind-the-scenes story of Asian food that's gone global. Again, it's Eat Drink Asia. If you love food, subscribe. You won't regret it. By the way, in this podcast, we've mentioned Alibaba and we'd like to point out that Alibaba is the parent company of the South China Morning Post. This episode is produced and edited by Yang Yang. We would like to thank Alex Joe of Yummy Bai for coming on our podcast. If you've enjoyed this podcast, do rate us on iTunes and subscribe to us on Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere you listen to your podcast. If you'd like to follow me on Twitter, my handle is at Zensu. And if you'd like to read more tech stories happening on this side of the world, head on to scmp.com/tech. See you in two weeks.